Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo, dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. Ah! 
Another dumb, overblown story. What? Somebody, what was that? Somebody screaming, don't look at the president when he came out on the balcony and glanced toward the sun. <laughs> I saw the headlines, Trump too stupid to wear glasses. And don't look, at- <laughs> but it was too late. Already been mooned. Wow. All right, then. I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted by the world. Yeah. Uh, boy, we got some great... Uh, Great troubling emails about your experience there with the crazy guy threatening to kill your family. If you're yeah. just tuning in. You, you missed a light moment on the show. What's troubling is the number of people that are telling me, uh, particularly in the state that I live in, that with the current laws, that there's just there's just not much to be done for people no. that are that level of wastes of you know drains on society. You can pursue it all you want, but it ain't nothing's really going to come of it. They, mm-hmm. they they're having trouble putting you know people who have who've robbed eight houses in jail and keeping right. them there. Well, some of your progressive states like California has decriminalized crime. A yeah. lot of it. Yeah, you can steal up to nine hundred dollars, and it's a misdemeanor, which means it's a traffic ticket because nobody's going to put you in jail for misdemeanor. There aren't enough beds. Um. So uh, they've decriminalized crime, so there's more crime, you know. And and oh man, I was just looking at some of the uh, uh, some of the analysis. A beautiful example of of how statistics lie. But so after Prop 47 passed in California, which decriminalized crime in many ways, a lot of people focused on the drug stuff because you know, and, and that would probably needed to happen. But who's in favor of decriminalizing stealing, grand theft? Receiving stolen property, forgery, fraud, etc. Because those are a lot of crimes done by people who are drunks or drug addicts, and they're only doing that because they're addicted. And if we'd get them the help, and if we get, I'm not making this up. This is what most people believe in a lot of cities, counties, and states. Yeah. If you just give these people the help they want and need. They wouldn't be robbing houses or Hilarious. hitting people over the head or screaming, I'm going to kill you and rape your children at a restaurant. Right. Like happened to me. If we'd get them, the, if I were more compassionate, would give more tax money, this person would be able to get the help they, they want. They would probably become a college professor and grow a pointy beard and wear a sport coat. So you, here's this uh, county. Uh, 14% of those released ended up back in custody. Here's a county that's 9%. Here's a county that's 60%. Um, Within what amount of time? It was like a year, I think. It wasn't very much time at all. Um, yeah, it was roughly. It was no, I think it was like six months. Um, but do you know how hard you have to try to get arrested for something? These, if you're a professional criminal, you're in the business of not getting arrested, of getting away with it. So, yeah, okay, so 14% or 60%, depending on the county, actually ended up back in custody. How many offenses did they perpetrate before they got busted? Well, how about my guy who would, I don't know, if, I don't know how often he gets busted, but the policeman telling me, yeah, I know who that is. That's old Crazy Jim. He's, right. He screams threats at people all the time. He's never actually done anything. <laughs> so, it's just, you know. Right. So what part the, of the joy of living is having your, your kids threatened in front of you. What's the percentage of people who are who fall under the nobody bothered doctrine? Right. When you look at those statistics. So all right, so I'll I'll pick it well county X here, fourteen percent uh ended up back in custody. Happens to be the county where I live. Um what percent committed many crimes and just never got arrested? What? What percent were 
doing crimes that were misdemeanors, like uh, terroristic threats or whatever, and and nobody bothered to press charges. Told them cut it out and turn them loose the next day. A lot. So we've decriminalized crime. Great, good idea. Like this uh, email. Um, it's from uh, Jim in San Francisco. I live in San Francisco and work in the motion picture industry. That's in quotes. I don't know why. Just this week, I got back from spending a month on location in a major Midwestern city. One night, while walking back to my hotel, which was downtown, the city I was working, I suddenly realized that at that point, I'd gone almost two weeks without having to step over anyone, passed out on the street or in a doorway, getting panhandled, dodging a shopping cart, being assaulted by the stench of stale urine or feces, looking over my shoulder. It was at that point I fully realized what a sewer that San Francisco politicians have turned that city into. Believe me, if I wasn't making such a crapload of money doing what I do, I'd move to this other city next month. P.S. And this is a P.S. Without trying to minimize the unfortunate experience you and your family went through, let me just say that I've lost count of the number of times some crazy guys threatened to stab, shoot, kill me just while I'm going about my business in downtown San Francisco. Get used to it. I've been assaulted twice, once while walking about 50 feet from a doorway to a bus stop, which resulted in injuries serious enough to put me in the hospital. Oh, my God. It's a hell of a society that puts up with that, that just figures it's okay. And thinks the law-abiding taxpayer is the root of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's sick. It's mental illness. It is a mental illness. You're crazy. So you want a lighter side of street vermin? Sure. I don't have a very charitable view of people who live on the street. I have no charitable view of people who live on the street. But, um, so I use term like vermin. I know that doesn't help me politically much, but that's the way I feel about it. Um, but from, so I'm walking around Portland. I'll never be able to do this again, by the way, or at least not for a very long time with my son, because we got off the, uh, the the light rail thing to walk around Portland, and we're in one of those neighborhoods where there are a lot of uh, scary-looking street people, but also cool, funky bookstores, music stores, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was explaining to my son, I said, I don't know exactly why this is this way, but in a lot of cities, the the coolest spot places, there's a lot of these people hanging around because he was bothered by him. I wouldn't be able to do that today. There's no way uh, he'd be too scared because now he's had somebody threaten him and his dad. So that's what he's going to think when he sees those people, at least for a while. But so uh, we're locking. I'm working to a lighter side of this. I'm not doing a very good job. Uh, but sir, so we're walking along. And I'm keeping an eye on these people because they all look freaking crazy yeah, and dangerous. Yeah, a lot of junkies. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm keeping my eye on them as we're walking around and checking out some stores and stuff like that. I look over and I say, oh, my God. I, I because I live on a farm, have seen a female horse urinate. Mm. I know what that looks like. It was as if I was looking at a female horse urinate. Oh, boy. Was it a horse, Uncle Jack? There was a large-ass woman <laughs> bent over, mm. pointed toward the street. Oh, boy. Well. Like a fire hose. Oh, 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 oh boy. Oh, my. Good morning. Morning, ma'am. <laughs> Top of the day, m'lady. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh another boy. Monday upon us, is it? <laughs> So I said, oh, my God. And, and I mean, I have walked around a lot of sketchy areas in a lot of towns around the world. I'm not surprised by much, but I hadn't seen that. 
Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. He said, what, Dad? And and I said, over there. And uh, he said, where, what? And I thought, you know, there's no point in pointing this out. He doesn't see it. And I said, no, nothing. What, the guy what, was what? wearing a really bright hat. He walked inside, though. What'd you say? <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, my God, about, oh, I saw something funny, but it's gone. But... He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have known what it was because he couldn't tell. Because all you could see, all you could see was oh my well, moons over my hammy. It looked like the, you know, south end of a northbound horse, as they say. Yeah. Um, God, it was something. I thought, what a lifestyle. Now I realize my my policies, my political viewpoints have caused her to have that life. But um, God, that was something. <laughs> Well, and right next to like some of the coolest and most expensive stuff around anywhere in the world, right next to it. Well, I must, as always, sound my note about the mentally ill who are no more responsible for their illness than people who get, uh, you know, muscular dystrophy. But we've got to do something with them. We can't have them threatening regular human beings. We do a terrible job with dealing with mental illness in this country. Absolutely terrible. Foreign policy, eh, only slightly better. And we'll talk to Thomas Gibbons-Neff of the Washington Post about the new Trump policy on Afghanistan. It's remarkably like the Obama policy, which was fairly similar to the Bush policy. It is amazing when you think about the fact that it's been going on for a decade and a half. I mean, that's just amazing. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So many interesting texts and comments on my uh, story of the transient person screaming at my family at the restaurant last night, whether uh, somebody who's a CCW person, concealed carry gun person, uh, law enforcement, people in the justice system. Excellent. It's a, man, it's a far-reaching problem anywhere you live. Let's continue the dialogue. First, though, we need to talk to Thomas Gibbons-Neff. National Security Reporter for the Washington Post, uh, reporting on the president's address last night in a uh, somewhat uh, altered policy on Afghanistan. Thomas, welcome, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's our pleasure. Um, uh, Let's deal with the nuts and bolts first. What did the president tell us? Well, I mean, I think uh, the critiques out of last night's uh, address was that he didn't tell us much. Uh, I think uh, there was a lot of... um, vague allusions to to uh, adding things to uh, the current strategy or kind of what, what the U.S. has been doing in Afghanistan, but it looked like um, kind of more of the same. Uh, he didn't talk about troop levels, but that I think that's in the background, that we'll definitely see more troops go go to Afghanistan uh, to kind of bolster the, the Afghan security forces there and, and do a myriad of counterterrorism missions against al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. Uh, there was kind of a, a big chunk that talked about Pakistan and, and a little bit of getting India more involved in um, in the uh, Afghan war effort. See, I, yeah, there were there were some particulars that I thought were interesting um, in terms of overall strategy and philosophy of the thing, though. That it's let's abandon the notion of 
you know, Jeffersonian democracy in Afghanistan or even nation building or whatever. We're just going to hang around. We're going to kill the bad guys and we're going to pressure the hell out of the neighbors in the region to help us do it. Um, right. Right, and I don't know if that's really exactly a strategy or appealing appealing to his base. I mean, we are the U.S. is there bolstering Afghan institutions that are a part of the, that nation, right? So, by enhancing the Ministry of Defense, you're kind of de facto, you know, nation building in some way, shape, or form. I mean, sure. this is not a a 2001 invasion or a 2003 invasion of Iraq where we're toppling a government, right? I mean, it's basically we're there to to hold back the Taliban on some kind of conditions-based approach. What those conditions are is anybody's guess, but uh, it's probably to get the Afghan military to a point where they can do what we're doing right now, which is keeping the Taliban um, pushed out of out of the uh, the the population centers uh, with a you know, a combination of ground troops well, and airstrikes. Okay, well, I believe we can push the Taliban out of anywhere, and we have before. But I, the, the, what would make me, a taxpayer, believe we can train Afghan forces to where they can keep the Taliban pushed out? Because we've tried it for a long time with a lot of money. W- what would be different this time? No, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I, I, I have no clue. Um, that's kind of the, the deja vu of you know the, this country's longest war and you know what people call the forever war. I was a Marine and uh, fought in Afghanistan in 2008, 2010, and, and the problems that they're having with, with Afghan troops today are, are pretty much the same ones we had then. Um, and you know, what you'll talk to any any U.S. military official in Kabul, and, and they'll u- use words like, you know, continent, continental plates moving or generational shift. You know, basically that if you stay there long enough, they'll basically figure out how how to fight. You know, militarily as a as a Western military like us, because in many ways. We're applying what's worked for us and saying, "Here you go. This is this is what you should do because this is how we do it." And and uh, that that has been kind of a have a you know a losing process, I guess. Uh, Thomas Gibbons Neff, national security reporter for the Washington Post. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that you actually uh, were a Marine and and served there because um, that will change the conversation a little bit, um, as opposed to just a reporter. Look, we're. Afghanistan's the new Korea. We're going to be there for 30 years, at least, maybe 50. I just, I, that seems clear to me as a guy who studied foreign policy my whole life. You got incredible instability. You got some really bad actors. You got the Pakistani nukes. You got Iran attempting to, uh, you know, it, express their power across the entire region. I, I, I can't, you know, I, can't, I hate the idea of staying. Leaving would be disastrous, I think. So I just think we're, we police the place for the next three generations. Your, any thoughts on that, Thomas? No, I, I mean, I think that was kind of the issue that, that Trump had when he was given, you know, these uh, the path forward in Afghanistan. There was nothing there that looked um, anything like success or, you know, maybe leaving and drawing down. And, and you're, I mean, yes, in a lot of ways, if, if the U.S. did pull out, uh, you know, completely right now, there would be, you know, it, it would be, be chaos within a matter of months in Kabul. The, the, there's little doubt about that. So, I mean... Yeah, you know, when you hear you say Korea or, you know, be there for the next 50 years, that that is not not beyond um, my imagination. It's depressing. Um, yeah, amen. Especially, especially since, uh, you know, it's been kind of a reset since 2014, right? There was a lot of territory that was held. Uh, the U.S. drew down. A lot of territory was lost. And, and kind of it is. It's, it's very much like Groundhog Day. And I, I don't think anyone has the answers. So... Is there a reason why an administration can't tell us that, can't say, look, 
Look at a map. See where Iran is. See where Pakistan is. Pakistan has nukes. We need to have a presence here. We're never going to build Afghanistan into a functioning country. Is there a reason a president can say that? Is it, can they not say it to us? Can they not say it to Afghanistan? Because then we would just be occupiers. Who? Why can't they just be honest with us? I, I just think because there, there's there's a lot of uh, competing priorities, and I just don't think that there that the U.S. kind of has the um, political infrastructure, if you will, to kind of sustain a strategy like that. You know, if the next administration comes in and decides, you know, conditions-based approach is, is not the right way forward and 150,000 more troops are needed to go in and bring the Taliban to the, the negotiating table through military force, which I think probably wouldn't work. But, you know, you, you just never know what you're going to get every four years. So are you calling I mean, I, for a monarchy, Thomas? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought, I thought it would inject a little levity into a thoroughly depressing topic. But so what's the most troops we ever had? Didn't we have 150 grand there at one point? Uh, I think the U.S. just had over 100,000, and then it was around 120 with, with NATO commitments. But I okay. could be off five but, or ten. No, I, I think that's what I've heard, too. Yeah. But... but we weren't able to to build the country with those with that troop level. We're not going to like we're not going to put a half a we're not going to go Vietnam and put a half million troops in there. No, I or, just think or go for one. We're going to prevent it from becoming the super caliphate. That's that's the strategy from now <laughs> till the end of time. Well, I just wish they'd say it out loud. No, nah, you can't because the Afghan people would probably freak out. I just I, they're ugly, they're nothing but ugly options. Welcome to the world. Uh Thomas Gibbons Neff National security reporter for the Washington Post. While you were there, what did you think you were doing? I mean, you know, I, I kind of have this this pretty funny anecdote. In 2008, I, I was a, a 20 year old uh, Lance Corporal, and we were in Helmand Province clearing a called Garmzir District, and uh, we were pushing the Taliban out. And in the middle of the night, uh, I was asleep. Someone yelled out, uh, "You know, it, we killed Bin Laden." And it was 2008. It was a rumor that they, I think someone just passed. To, to screw with everyone at two in the morning, but um, you know, I woke up and I thought, does that mean we get to go home? And I, you know, basically, in fact, we had nothing to do with Al Qaeda. We were there fighting the Taliban, who were mostly local Afghans who were just trying to fight for for their hometown for the most part. So, um, I, and then when I came back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and, and have one of the the most heavily contested uh, Taliban strongholds, we we kind of knew that as soon as we left. Or as soon as you know you reduced troop levels, you know by you know, fifty percent, that 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 the place would go back to the Taliban because they they supported the Taliban there. Wow. So is Taliban and Al Qaeda more or less one and the same, or do you see them as completely different groups? I mean that that's a, for the, the you know for the Taliban to decide, right? And uh, you know the whole reason we went in there is because the Taliban didn't give up Al Qaeda and, and throughout uh, the U.S. involvement when we were heavily invested in, in Afghanistan. You know Al Qaeda kind of helped Taliban with suicide bombs, IEDs, you know roadside bomb uh, bomb making skills. So they've kind of been attached at the hip uh, ever since. If, if they ever if the Taliban was ever you know brought back into the um, Afghan government proper, obviously one of the one of the um, conditions for them to come. One of the conditions for them to come back in would, would obviously be that you know no association with Al Qaeda. Is that likely? Again, no clue. I think the. Yeah. the I, I can't believe that I'm asking that question 16 years after 9/11. That's right. still not an you know an easy answer. I got one more question. Uh, Russia's now arming the Taliban. So what does that do to the metrics? Right. I mean that's kind of a. Um, a new development in the last few months, and, and various you know U.S. military officials have said different things about Russia's material support 
for the Taliban. And, you know, no one's been able to pick up a rifle off the battlefield, look at the serial number and say, this is a Russian weapon that came from a Russian military stock or, you know, through third party to the Taliban. So, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, geopolitical posturing. And, you know, I've talked to people in Afghanistan, you know, if they started sending surface-to-air missiles, a la what we did to the Mahajadeen in the 80s, you know, now you're talking totally different right now. That's, that's you know, next level. So for right now, I think that's not a big concern um, by the U.S. military. I think they got a lot of their stuff on their plate, but, I mean, it's something that we'll have to watch. Thomas Gibbons, Neff, National Security Reporter for The Washington Post. Thomas, we really appreciate the time and the insights. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, let's do it again sometime. Interesting. Yeah, I Interesting. Say. You know, it's funny, the first uh, couple of uh, questions and answers with Thomas, I thought, wow, he... He doesn't want to just give the facts. He wants to get right into the analysis. I thought that's interesting for a reporter. Now I get it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now I get it. He was a Marine who did two tours there and knows what he's talking about. But so are we going to no more talk about how many people are going to school? No more talk about they've had uh, their first election in whatever province in 70 years no no more of that kind of talk at all i don't i don't think so i mean if if that's what I'm stuff hoping happens for. great that's what i'm hoping for i don't want to hear any more of that stuff cuz that to me that stuff is just okay you you created conditions for that to happen briefly with enough marines the bush administration spun so wildly let's call it lies the bush administration lied like crazy and then the obama administration lied like crazy different lies mostly in afghanistan but the bush administration way over i think their objective was crazy then they over uh overstated the the girls going to school and free elections and all that crap then the Obama administration, their major lies were pretending al-Qaeda was gone when all of the information out there was opposite to that. Right. They claimed at one point there were 20 al-Qaeda in Afghanistan when there was a 31-square-mile al-Qaeda training camp teeming with guys and churning more out every day. Yeah, just lies, 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 lies. Remind you of Vietnam at all? Oh, Marsh? yeah. Oh, yeah, very much oh, so. Yeah. Very Turns much out so. the administration didn't tell us the truth. I'll be damned. Right. You know, and the other thing somebody mentioned, because Trump is now turning up the heat on Pakistan, Pakistan, one of their big allies now is China, and China is now warning the U.S. about threatening Pakistan. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Threatening Pakistan. Pakistan has no control over a major part of their country. It's run by essentially, well, it's the uh, Pakistani Taliban. Right. And we hope that they have control over their nuclear arsenal. Right. Yeah, that's a that's an ugly situation. That might be the that might be ninety percent of the reason right. we're in Afghanistan. Yep, the nuclear arsenal in Pakistan. Leaving. We can't have the no. super caliphate stretching from Afghanistan right. into Pakistan. Right, can't happen. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got a string of U.S. Navy accidents on the high seas, prompting a lot of questions and theories right now. Phoenix gearing up for a major Trump rally later today, and we get another American city making it illegal to text while walking. Stories coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. So there are a number of people, the Trump haters, that believe Trump's, uh, after his measured address last night, he often comes back full-throated full the next day. He's got a rally, you know, from some big-time supporters in Arizona today, tonight. You know the people who think that? I'll bet you a dollar they're right. (laughs) (laughs) That he's going to go off. Yeah, in what direction and and how, I don't know. Neither does he. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever feels good at the time. 
I might try to catch that live. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Marshall, what time does Trump speak today? I think that might be must-see TV. It'll be 7 o'clock. Doors open at 4 p.m., 7 o'clock West Coast. Okay, i got to yep. catch that live. I think it's 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 guaranteed Trump says something that is a headline for tomorrow. Oh, yep. man. I've got, <laughs> I got a feeling like I'm about to, about to get on a roller coaster. I know I'm really going to enjoy it, but it's going to scare me. <laughs> News now with Marshall Phillips. Well, along those lines, gearing up, the Phoenix police chief says her force is well prepared to handle whatever comes along with President Trump's visit to the city tonight. Hey, you know, mayor's an idiot for saying the president shouldn't come. You can't do that. That would have, oh my God, that would have been a headline on every paper if, you know, somebody had said that uh, to Barack Obama. Actually, somebody did at one point, yeah. and, and then yes. the press went wild. Yeah. Yeah, Trump's scheduled to attend a campaign-style rally downtown. Again, he'll be speaking right around 7 p.m., so there you go. That's when he'll be on stage. He will bring up Sheriff Joe Arpaio? Like, bring him up on stage or bring him up verbally? Bring him up verbally. Who knows? Maybe bring him up on stage. Crowd will go wild. What about Sheriff Joe? Do you love Sheriff Joe? (laughs) Then he'll start winging it. I wonder if I should (laughs) pardon him. Do you think I should pardon him? (sighs) I think maybe I should. Trump. Is, does he stay completely away from Charlottesville? I hope so. I hope that doesn't come up at all. Is, does, that, is that Sheriff Joe saying Mr. Thrump? Yes. That is him. Yes. That's right. Play it again. Yes. Uh, Mr. Thrump. <laughs> Thrump. And does does Trump say anything about Afghanistan and his new policy and then say something that, wait a second, that's not what you said last night? Or uh, or do we go back to Charlottesville? Do we talk about well, I hope not, monuments? Right. I hope not. Oh, I'll bet he brings up the monuments. Thing. But if, if he's on stage for an hour, 90 minutes, whatever, he's going to say a lot of stuff, <laughs> as he usually does. The U.S. Navy is reporting that some uh, remains have been found after a U.S. destroyer collided with an oil tanker yesterday. Ten sailors went missing from the USS John S. McCain after that collision yesterday. Meanwhile... One major Navy collision may be an accident, two a coincidence, but analysts say the deadly incidents involving McCain this week and the USS Fitzgerald in June call for a thorough investigation to restore confidence in the Navy considered to be the world's best. There were also two more minor accidents involving Navy warships earlier this year. Commanders now saying the four cannot be viewed in isolation. Really? That's interesting. Yep. Well, well, for training purposes, right. they certainly can't right. be. For overall efficiency purposes, are you hinting at a conspiracy or well, something dark afoot? Meanwhile, Admiral Scott Switz said there is no evidence the warship's electronic systems might have been hacked. They are addressing the theory that perhaps hackers out there are getting in the way of the electronics on board. So anyway, they're continuing the investigations, obviously, there. There are plenty of ships that have no electronics on board that don't smash into other ships. Right, right. Last month... Well, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it also uh, taken as a whole, as a total, if we've had four of these, um, it just means we've got serious problems with our Navy. Right. Yeah, training just problems. Just in general. I yeah. mean, holy crap, what else is, you know, not up to... I, I, will, Standards. Uh, I will tell you this, based on uh, stuff I'm basing it on, uh, there has been a fairly significant element of the military is a jobs program. The military is a place to conduct social experiments. And we'll be fine introducing this, right. that, and the other into the services. 
you bunch of bigots or whatever. Um, and it's entirely possible we're getting worse at killing people and breaking stuff is what, what the military is supposed to do as right. efficiently as possible as we promote various, uh, you know, social experiments. Meanwhile, last month, Honolulu, Hawaii. Well, I'll tell you this. The politicians forced that sort of thing down the military's throat. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, historically, it was clearly what should happen. I'm not saying never, ever. But when the military people go back to the progressive politicians and say, this is going to hurt preparedness, uh-huh. those politicians don't give a damn. They don't even want to hear it. They're playing to another constituency? Right, yeah. That's yeah. so weak. Meanwhile, last month, Honolulu adopted a law that sees walkers peering down at their phones as criminals and handing out fines to them. And now another U.S. city is preparing to implement a similar law as well. Stamford, Connecticut. Stupid. It is stupid. It's a self-punishing crime. My God, you nannies. Now, if you're driving, you could kill somebody or hurt somebody. Yeah. That ought to be against the law. If you're walking, you're going to walk into a, a pole and knock yourself cold. Self-punishing crime. Zero chances has anything to do with public safety. 100% chances has everything to do with a way to shake citizens upside down as more change comes <laughs> from out of their pockets. The, the, using fines and penalties and crimes as, as some sort of revenue stream is just sickening. Hear, hear what he said. The Honolulu Law, which goes into effect in October, sets fines at $15 for the first time. but goes up to $100 for multiple violations. 100 bucks For glancing at your phone at all? While you're yep. walking. While you're walking. So La- you have to st- Land of the freeze. The world is laughing at us. You have to stand still. You have to place your hand on a tree to make sure you don't tip over <laughs> right. from a stiff breeze or something. <laughs> make sure so, yeah. you have your bicycle helmet on. Is it, is it like pulling your car over? Do you have to like sit on a park bench to get out your phone and... I just got a text. What? Or, 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 I better sit down. Uh, you were walking. I was standing, officer. Right. I wasn't, my feet were planted, sir. Well, it, by, you yeah. can't be sitting in your car with the keys drunk. That's drunk driving. Right. Well, by that standard, you can't be standing looking at your cell phone because you could start walking any minute. <laughs> so pay the fine, American citizen, the land of the free. Ho, what, ho, ho. what if I lay down prone on my back <laughs> and start my phone? Then Tell you, it to the no, judge. No, 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 no. Then you might be violating. The law against lying or sitting on the ground on a sidewalk in a public place. Okay. There you get another fine. How about if I'm suspended from a tree? Can <laughs> I do if, it then? What if you're doing what that lady was doing on the streets of Portland? Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 my huh? God. Like a fire hose, I'm telling you. This <laughs> is sick enough. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Oh, uh, oh. speaking of which, uh, just a, a private message to the uh, fellow in the bathroom who was talking on the phone at full volume while taking your crap. I don't know, sir. Maybe your friend can take Uber and you can meet him. There. I hope that's helpful. Good luck with what sounds like a vexing dilemma. <laughs> what the, What is it with that? With what? Don't do that. With what? Talking on the phone at full volume while you're taking a poo. <laughs> That bothered you? But but it's rude. I'd rather hear that than other things. Yeah, it covers covers up bodily functions. (laughs) It's a fake conversation. He didn't actually have somebody on the other end of the phone. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, We got a bunch of interesting texts. Homeless person uh, accosting my family last night. Well, threatening to kill us. And uh, some people's reactions. Pretty interesting. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
This is the part I like where David Lee Roth grunts. That's very good. Very good grunting. Good stuff right there. So while you were being accosted by uh, dangerous, insane, uh, or drunk, drugged up homeless people, it was, uh, we're flying Little D coast to coast today to drop her off at college. And so yesterday was saying goodbye to friends uh, day, saying goodbye to boyfriend oh. night. Um, and all of us kind of dealing with it. Holy cow, what a day. What's what the plan day. with the boyfriend? I mean, mm. that's between them. I, I, figured that would, I, I don't mind you asking. Figured it's, that would be the answer. But Yeah, it's a, no, the, I don't mind you asking a bit. Uh, but yeah, that's between them. There are, there are a couple of great kids, though. That's it, a tough one, though. Fate is a cruel mother scratcher. A lot of people have done that whole oh, thing. That's a difficult God. one. And you know what? You just, you, you, you're looking for a healthy, good, mature uh, relationship, and, and, and then you got one, and then fate just puts a thumb in your eye, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's time to head in separate directions. But yeah, that's life. That's life. That's what people say. My niece, so she started dating this uh, guy, and uh, she was committed to a a college much more expensive than the one that he was going to go to. And now because he's dating her, he switched colleges. So works out for them as a couple. They're going to be at the same college, but his parents can't be very happy. (laughs) I thought we had this plan. (laughs) Whoops. It's the old switcheroo. I uh, got a whole bunch of texts, as you can imagine, about the situation. Uh, oh, I barely got two minutes. Dang it. I'll just hit you with one because it's interesting. Briefly recap. Uh, drunk homeless guy comes to our table, patio at a restaurant, and um, starts talking crazy talk. I told him he needed to move along, and then he started screaming. And I mean screaming. F you, I'm going to effing kill you. I'm going to effing kill your kids. I mean, and it, he was right there next to us. And I had to get up and approach him to get him to back away. And uh, thought he was going to shoot you. He threatened to shoot you. Uh, guys, I have a CCW and have done some training that mostly helps with conflict or threat resolution. Really, the last thing I want to do is use my weapon. But knowing when and how the situation, blah, blah, blah. Um, everyone has to decide if they want to be a sheep or a lion. I want to have a gun. If I had had a gun, in case you didn't hear this part of the story earlier, at one point he screamed. He was screaming at me. We're about 15 feet away from each other. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to effing kill you. And he stuck his hand in his pocket. If I had a gun, I would have shot him. Right. So would any cop. What do you do if a guy's screaming, I'm going to shoot you, and he sticks his hand in his pocket? You shoot him. Mm-hmm. That's what police do. That's what I would have done. And now i got a whole different situation going on. Oh, I think so, yeah. E- even yeah. though I think I would have been perfect, it would have been perfectly justified, I did just shoot somebody dead in front of my family. I'm going off to jail to answer some questions. Oh, my God. <clears throat> the whole thing. Right. It's going to be a long investigation. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know. It's a tough one. You know, the thing is, though, it ended up nobody got hurt. So if you if you want to look backwards... It's good that I didn't have a gun and didn't shoot the guy. But at the time, I didn't know it was going to turn out that way. He's screaming, I'm going to effing shoot you now, and puts his hand in his pocket like he's going to pull a gun out. It's a hell of a coin flip. How's this going to end? Because you don't know. You do not know. Well, I'm just telling you, police brought it up to me last night. He said, uh, did you really think he had his gun? I said, I know what you guys do when somebody screams, I got a gun. I'm going to shoot you, and they stick their hand in your pocket. I've seen the videos. Um, You had no reason to believe he was lying. Well, no. I'll take you at your word, sir. Bully, bluey. It's, It's a heck of a person who waits to see 
if he's going to pull out a gun and then hope that you're faster than he is. After he's already got it out? And you hit him. You're not. And you hit him before he hits you. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's that's the interesting dilemma of the CCW. It, uh, you know, now I have brought... Well, I, if I'd have had a gun, I probably would have had, had it out, period. He's screaming, I'm going to kill you and your family. Right. So then what happens? No, you're not. What happens then? I don't know. Yikes. Text line 415-295-KFTC, the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.